Josh Williams here, and welcome to another bonus episode of the One Man Podcast. Today, my guest is comedian and uh, and great friend of Absolute Comedy, all the way from Baltimore, Maryland. We have Mike Stork with us here today. That's right, and I'm actually wearing clothes. Are you? Yes. For a change. <laughs> I should have put that in the intro. Mikey's uh, Mikey's claim to fame is that he's naked all the time, everywhere, <laughs> even in the Great White North. Yeah. I get naked at Tim Hortons and <laughs> Poutine Shack. <laughs> You're actually a huge fan of poutine, if I'm I not mistaken. Poutine. American from uh... absolutely love poutine, and they don't have it there, right? No, there's a few. There's a few like hipster type places that you know they say, "Oh, we have authentic Canadian poutine." And my my sort of knee jerk reaction to that is always like, "Yeah, I'll be the judge of that." <laughs> but you know, it's it's one of those things. It's like. You know, just like like quinoa or kale, or there's always like something that's like the new food thing, right? Right. Or like you know, there's like if if you got somebody that's like a crazy snob foodie, they have to have something that they can like sort of point to as, oh, you don't know about this food thing. Oh, right. it's so great. <laughs> you know, oh, you don't know about like authentic flash frozen Inuit cod you know permafrost <laughs> you painted yourself into a bit of a corner there yeah, with, the, like, with the inuit flash froze i'm like oh you're running out of options uh, yeah the <laughs> free range inuit i don't know you haven't had freeze-dried seal noses right yeah exactly <laughs> like some weird thing that that like you had to like scour the globe to find something that oh you don't know about that uh, i win <laughs> I yeah. Well, have you been to those hipster spots that claim to have authentic Canadian poutine? Yeah. And, and like, how is it? You know, it's not I think a lot of places what they do is they tr- they'll they know enough, like maybe they went to like they went to Montreal once or something and uh either it's not cheese curds, it's mozzarella or the fries are frozen Cisco fries or it's know. like chicken gravy instead of the beef gravy or right. whatever. Yeah, or like uh, you know, I've seen what a lot of places will do is they'll have they'll they'll offer poutine on the menu, but then it's like with gravy and the cheese and the thing and then peas and potato and uh, squash and quinoa and it's like no 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 just do poutine right like do a just a garden variety traditional fries gravy cheese curds you know what I mean it's yeah. like you're trying to get all fancy and you can't even master the basic one you know what i mean right maybe that's a, a strategy so there's someone doesn't like it go well it's it's our version you know of course right. it's that's not what you would expect because it's our version right it's oh i saw a thing on the one of the cooking cooking things on youtube and it was like you know authentic uh, mexican poutine right recipe and and so i'm looking at it and i watched the video and it's like nacho it's like what about this is actually poutine like it's yeah. not there's nothing you know like, yeah, it's like and it's, tortilla chips salsa right. and cheese you're like that's right. nachos that's right. not poutine yeah <laughs> instead of the instead of the quebec gravy we're gonna use a, a nacho cheese and shredded uh <laughs> it's like it's not it's nachos like i don't know i think it's one of those things that probably i mean i haven't been too too far and of course tried the poutine we're we're desensitized to it here because you can get it everywhere right but and it's, I'm sure it's the same in Montreal where it's like uh, you know it's it's everywhere for for smoked meat because yeah. I love Montreal smoked oh, meat I fuck it up every time I go there. Yeah. But but it's one of those things where you can go to 
the like like the worst place in Montreal is still better than the best place anywhere else. Right. And the worst, where would you say the worst place would be? In Montreal for smoked meat? Yeah. Ooh. Um, Belle Provence or? Haven't had it there. Haven't had it there. It's not bad. Their Belle Provence is like, it's like fast food sort of. Right. Yeah. With the steamy dogs. Last time I ate there, I was like, why did I do this to myself? Right. But it's still not bad. Like I've gotten, like I've gotten, I've gotten, you know, smoked meat sandwich and a poutine. And, you know, the gravy was a little weak. Right. That's why I do remember that as a matter of fact. But I mean, aside from that, like. It's a decent sandwich. It's decent poutine. Right. Like I said, a gravy, you know, could have used a little bit of a kick in the I ass. I think when you're in the mecca of that stuff. Yeah. I, I look at it and go, you're in this land of, of plenty. How could you be putting this shit out? I think it's, you know what? I, I was listening to Bill Burr a while back, and he was saying that uh, in in New York, everybody's like, you know, there's there's only like six six or eight great places for New York pizza. Mm-hmm. but there's a pizza place on every corner. Right. So everybody thinks, oh, well, I had pizza in New York. It wasn't that great. It's like, right. Yeah, but you didn't get the Staples places. You know what right. I mean? Uh, so, for example, when I'm in Montreal, where I go for smoked meat is I go to Schwartz's. Schwartz's, right. Yeah, without question, and I'm never right. disappointed. It's expensive, and it's a pain in the ass to yeah, get to. Yeah, it's, because it's, you can't say it's like, it's like, eat, get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. He said, are you guys done? Get out of the fuck out of here. So now I buy the platters. I don't even get the sandwiches because the sandwiches are like 10 bucks each. Uh-huh. I get the platter. It's 20 but I can make like three or four sandwiches out of it. Right. Because if you stack a bread and a, a bunch of meat. I'm sorry. I hope this is interesting for anybody who's listening, but I don't. Well, it's interesting to you and I. So. Yeah. It's all oh, that's. I love it. What? Uh, but wait, the main is good across the street. That's the other one. Yeah. I yeah. was going to say the main. Um, Dunn's. Dunn's is great. I, I can't. How, can, how do they fuck it up everywhere else? I, I don't. You know, I, it's one of those things like I sometimes wonder if people realize what they've got in front of them, you know. Like you go to Dunn's, it's like the smoke. Like I got the roast beef club one time. Every time, every time I go to Dunn's, it's like oh, I'm gonna get a smoked meat and a poutine. Maybe I'll just do fries, but definitely smoked meat. And uh, but then one time I got the roast beef club, and uh, it was great. And it was like, of course, like, but it just you know, oh, that's my phone. I, uh, <laughs> got, I thought I heard the George Jetson theme the other day. Yeah, I made that ringtone a while back, and I'm like, this is actually the perfect ringtone ringtone. Yeah, you know? do, 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 do. The old Hanna-Barbera. Um, but yeah, like, uh, and you know, like, I don't really drink that much. So like, for me, like food is, you know, like when I'm someplace, like when I come to Ottawa, it's like, you know, I'll go to, you know, like Cattleman's, mm-hmm. I'll go to like... The, couple of different poutine like SNG up the street yep. and then uh you know the place down at Costco or the Canadian Tire parking lot. Right. Um, what else do I do? You know, That's the one up by uh Merivale there? Yeah, right at yeah. Merivale and Do you uh, do the one over by the Mayfair? The little guy who's always asleep in the the one up sunny side? You go down by Carlton University from the club and up the street. That's not the one on bank, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. But the, well, the we little went truck to that next one. To, yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad one either. Yeah, that so. one was pretty good. Um you know, the guy down at the market, the Russian guy. Not familiar with him. It's 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 decent, but it's like that people are like, oh, my God, we always get the poutine after we've had way too much alcohol. Right. It's like, well, that's, that where, that's when you go to McDonald's, too. Right. Yeah. That doesn't know? really make vouch for the poutine if you're like, we're annihilated. Yeah. We can't taste anything anyways. Right. We're just shoveling glop into our face. <laughs> yeah. You could eat salty cardboard and it would be like amazing. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're drinking. Yeah. So in um, terms of this week's poutine review, <laughs> um, you're a big fan of all the stuff Canadiana. 
yeah. which is which is great and we love having you up here um now you were just here for uh for a series of shows yep did uh, a week in a week in ottawa and then uh, a week in toronto followed by uh, the third week in kingston nice and how were the shows uh good good we had uh, uh you know obviously it's always great shows here um and then toronto was good um you know good numbers crowds were good uh trying to think i feel like there was one show i think there was one night we had a, an audience that was just really slow hmm. and it was like you know the mc comes off and he's like well looks like we're working tonight <laughs> <laughs> and it, and i was and i was like yeah that's that's kind of what it sounded like like you know, like he was getting the laughs, but it was like, you know, he had to work for him. They weren't just like meeting him there. Right. Kind of thing. And then Kingston and then, yeah. And it was fun too. Cause it's like, I got to work with, with good comics. Like sometimes you get paired with shitty comics right? or, or good comics that you just don't enjoy working enjoy, or, or just don't like hanging out with, you know, like, I mean, I've had that, like, you know, you're on the road and like, you know, the comic's funny, but then, like, hanging out, you're like, oh, this guy sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, this dude wants me to put a gun in, you know, I want to put a gun in my mouth or fucking, uh, you know, I don't know, they're an asshole or something. And Right. And that's what a lot of people don't don't uh, realize about comedy. I, we haven't talked about it too, too many times, even in the interviews. But for the most part, a lot of people forget that when we're doing shows for a week out mm-hmm. of town, away from home, like you're staying in a living quarters with this other person. So mm-hmm. as much as it's like, yeah, I can handle, you know, working with them for two hours a night. It's not, it's not like a coworker situation right. where you go to work. It doesn't matter if you're four or eight hour shifts, you go right. home at the end of the day. It's like, no, no, we work with them and then we go live with them. You know, that's the person you <laughs> yeah, like say good night to and good morning to. <laughs> right. You're going to wake up and they're like watching like, you know, whatever, some video and like, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, and you're like, what the hell are you doing up this early? You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, like I remember one time this is uh, I forget where we were. It was me and Jocko. And uh, it was like, I don't know. It's like 11, maybe noon. And uh, at the time I was like trying to, you know, exercise and sort of kind of lose weight and get in shape and stuff. And uh, Jocko was, he's like sitting on the couch and uh I'm like putting on my putting on my running shoes and sweatpants and uh and he just looks at me and goes, I didn't know you were one of those. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And I was like, What? And he's like and he just uh, he didn't say anything and then I realized it's because I'm I look like Mr. Like, you know, oh sporto I'm gonna go for a run this right, morning. Right. Right. And then you guys wanna go get some salads and you know, like eat healthy and exercise. I'm like, no, like I'm you're like, you're looking I, at the single step of this journey, the right, first like, step. <laughs> yeah, like you're just looking at the denial phase, Yeah, you know, where I think I'm going to like run all the time or something. <laughs> but yeah, he was just busting my chops. That's so funny. But like, uh, but yeah, and like I've stayed at condos with comics that are just like complete asses. And I'm just, you know, I, you know, I'm not rude, but if somebody, I, I won't bite my tongue as much as maybe some like, you know, like some of the Canadian comics are like, well, you know, I just have different lifestyles i'm like fuck that guy's a shithead fuck him <laughs> you know <laughs> like i've told comics like pick up your shit like i'm not your fucking mommy you know yeah like i think that's one of the reasons why like like jay and i get along so much it's like you know i'm not always sugarcoating stuff but the upside is is you know where I, you stand with me you know I, that's one of the things too that i kind of respect about the um 
the Canadian story and this and that, it's like, you, you know, we all have opinions. We're all, you know, sugar, yeah. sugar plums and all this on the outside. But then we're like, you know, that fucking guy's a dick. Hey, eh? like, you know, we've got that in the, the back of our heads. I, I do enjoy uh, hanging out with people where I know where I stand with them. Yeah. Cause it's like, you know, if somebody's always happy and, and, you know, like Alistair, right? Like he's, he's a nice guy. Like he's always positive and stuff. And that's, that's great, but it's like, come on, man, you got to get mad at some time. Like, yeah, tell me who you. Ha- I want to know, like, who, who do you hate? <laughs> who do you want to push off a cliff? You know, <laughs> but you know, it's just, uh, you know, uh, you know, and maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's just positive all the time. But like to me, it's like I, I don't know. I let shit out. Like we had a guy who, uh, so I go to these, I go to the twelve step meetings for a codependency. And uh, oh, I would like to know more about that. Okay, um, and uh, I'll get to that. But like, yeah, absolutely, of course, but, of course. But the the thing that popped into my head though was uh, there was this guy. Uh, you know, there's certain boundaries, right? Like what you say in the meetings does it, What you say in the meetings stays in the meetings, right? So if somebody's sharing some like really, I don't know, crazy story of and their name, uh, you know, it's just oh my god, like but. You can't then tell somebody later, oh my God, listen to what this guy told me today. Like it's, there's like, it's, a, a, it's supposed to be anonymous. It's anonymous, right? but it's also like confidential, you know, confidential. So like, I apologize. That's yeah. But anonymous both. and confidential. Right. right. And so like, you know, there's times where it's like, man, I wish I could tell you like the stuff that somebody had shared because it really was helpful, you know, right. or insightful or whatever, but I can't, that's the rules. Right. So, well, um, it's, it's very ethical that you adhere to them because a lot of people go, that's rules, but fuck it. And then well, you tell somebody, anyways. but people, you know, and it's, I don't know, it's, it seems like people, when people are sort of like putting their stuff out there it, anyway. So this guy, like I had gone to a meeting when I was here in Ottawa and it was great. It was amazing. It was like actually one of the best meetings I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I was kind of talking about it when I went back to my home meeting. And I was like, yeah, like they did this and then they did that. And like, and then they organized this, this way. And, you know, I think it's a lot better system, you know? And so like, we we're kind of talking about like incorporating some of that stuff. Right. And, uh, so this guy comes up and I already didn't like this guy. And, uh, and he's like, he's like, oh, uh, Hey, uh, where, you know, you said, you said you went to that I mean, the really good meeting. Like, where was it? And I said, oh, it was, it was out of town. It was, wasn't here in Baltimore. And he goes, oh, yeah, no, I caught that. But, like, what city was it in? And I just looked at him and I said, none of your goddamn business. You know? <laughs> and uh, it was one of those things where if I wanted to say what city it was in, I would have said that. Mm-hmm. So then he approaches and asks. And I basically established a boundary. Like, I don't want to share that information. Mm-hmm. Right? And then by him then asking a second time, like like almost like starting to bug me or whatever what on a subconscious or subtextual level what he was doing was i established a boundary i don't want to share this information and then he crossed that boundary and said i want to know that thing that you're clearly not trying to tell me can i i I want to let you finish but can Uh, i just tell you if i was in that guy's situation i could tell you that i'm probably capable of crossing that as well mm -hmm. but i can tell you uh, the boundary would not have been uh-huh. I wouldn't have recognized that as a boundary. I would have thought, now it could just be me, it's probably some sort of deficiency in me, but I would have thought 
you know, you were just trying to say, oh, don't worry, it's not here. Like, there's no point looking for because it's not here. Right. And then me going, oh, I'm curious. It sounded helpful. I would like, right. like it was. I, I would almost think that you were trying to be respectful. Me like, oh, oh, it's not here, so you know, we'll get to it. I was like, oh no, but I, I'd love to go. Right. I, I, my brain would have been stuck on right. the holy shit. You got a lot of use out of that. Right. That sounds like a useful tool. So I, I never would have seen like um. You wouldn't have picked up. I wouldn't have picked up. Yeah. So from me, it wouldn't have been like I was trying to press the issue and be disrespectful to your. I wouldn't have seen it as a privacy thing on your part. I would have seen it as you trying, like, oh, don't worry, it wasn't, it wasn't here. Right. And and, I, and and to be fair, like, I think I I already had my sort of fur up with this guy a little bit. That is true. You did mention that. Because it's like, I already, like, I just could kind of tell this guy, this guy doesn't respect, he doesn't respect boundaries. And, and, and like, some of the stuff that he would say, like, at the meetings was just like, that's really inappropriate, mm. you know, like that's, and, and I don't know. It was just, I already knew there's something right with this guy. And like, so my, my defenses were already up. And then when he like, it was almost like he was giving me the opportunity to for, like sort of put the smack down on him. Right. You know? Right. But yeah. So yeah. So that's, that's like, uh, yeah, I forget where I was going with that. I didn't take my Adderall. So no, no worries. I think you were just mentioning just about setting boundaries and things like that. Like, you know, you can be a nice person, but at the same time, you don't want to be a pushover. Right. So if you set boundaries with people, like you basically, it's, it's your own barometer of, okay, I, I give everyone leeway. If I set a boundary and you cross it, that's when I go, all right, fuck off. None of your business. You know, I'll be a dick. Yeah. And, and different people have different boundaries too. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, you know, I remember somebody. I was going to get coffee with somebody and then like this other person came up and was like, Oh, what are you guys doing? And, uh, and my friends like, Oh, we're going to go get coffee. But I didn't, I, I wasn't looking to invite this other person. Like mm-hmm. I, I wanted to, you know, kind of go over some stuff. And so this person was like, Oh, where are you guys going for coffee? I could, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like basically inviting themselves. And I realized like that my body starts like saying, well, Oh, well, uh, we're, probably i'm not sure but we might go to and i realized like he's gonna tell this person and then they're gonna invite themselves mm-hmm. further and like i don't i don't want this person coming along because i want to kind of talk about some shit you know and uh so i just kind of interrupted and i was like i'm like actually uh i have some kind of personal stuff that i want to like go over with 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 him so you know we're kind of just doing a one-on-one thing so you know like we maybe we can get coffee another time yeah. But it was just, uh, you know, I, I had to sort of step in and uh, sort of ask for what I needed in that moment, you know, because otherwise it wasn't going to happen. <clears throat> well, I am I know that I'm capable of being that other guy in the stories. Um, I personally, uh, like I said, shit goes over my head at times. Uh-huh. Not to the extent of, you know, some people. Right, right. <laughs> but, uh, just the sense where it's like, you know, if it's like, oh, we're thinking of going for coffee, right? And again, I don't know what social situation you guys were at the time. Like at the club, if everyone's like, ah, oh, we're going to go somewhere else. Right. Generally speaking, there is that, you know, unspoken, ah, the more the merrier at times. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I kind of almost need someone to directly, maybe not in a, in a go fuck yourself, none of your fucking business kind of way. But right. just like, a, like you said, there's nothing wrong with saying to someone, Hey, you know what? This is just me and him. Right. Another time. And I'm almost like, okay, thanks, because I would have just been like, ah, oh, we're thinking of going here. I'm like, oh, you mind right. if I like? Now I would have asked too. That is another different thing. I would have said, do you guys mind if I join you? Like, right. I'm not going to just say, oh, all right, cool, let's I'll meet you there. Right. I would say, do you guys mind if is that cool if I? And then it's on that person to like, 
you know, honor themselves and be true to, you know, and say, well, actually I kind of want to, you know, catch up with, you know, like I've had that where like, you know, like I had a, a, a friend I hadn't seen in a year came out to a show like, you know, comics are hanging out and then like a couple comics showed up and they're like, Hey, what's up stork, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, but it got to a point where it's like, look, you know, I've seen, I've seen these guys already. I know I'm going to see them again before I leave, but this one friend of mine, this is the one night that they're, you know, she's going to be out. And it's like, look, you know, I appreciate you guys coming out, but like, I, you know, I got to catch up with my friend, you know, I want to, I'd love to sit and just bullshit and everything, but like, I got to catch it's up. Important. Yeah. Like, yeah. like this is, you know, cause like, you know, I mean, you know, how comics are sometimes like if you don't say that, you know, they'll just kind of sit down and start talking about like, you know, politics or hockey or whatever. And it's like, you know, my friends, we, we haven't seen each other in, in two years and I don't want to be driving home and then think like, God damn it. I didn't get to catch up with my friend because so-and-so came and was just blathering on about like, hockey all night or whatever right you know but it's a, it's on me to speak up and say something and a lot of people don't i know that i'm guilty of it too is is like you said if if i was talking with you and we were going to go somewhere and have somebody someone else comes up and goes hey you guys mind if i come i, I it, you're right it is on you to sort of set your own boundaries yeah. you, know, you know what this is actually important but a lot of us don't myself included a lot of times i i would feel more bad about oh, i don't want to hurt this person's feelings right so i will destroy my own plans and wants and needs to make somebody else happy and that's not fair to you no it's, it's not, not but it's not fair to them either Right, because what happens then is we'll build resentment too. Right, over time. you're you're setting you're you're planting the seeds of resentment because then when you think about that that person, you're gonna be like, oh, that guy ruins everything and always butts in, invites him. Well, yeah, no. but I let him. Yeah, you I let, let him. him. That's you your part I mean? in it, right? I had a friend back home. It was a bunch of us. We ride motorcycles together, and uh, he's complaining about this this other guy. Right? Oh man, you know he still owes me fifty bucks and this and this and that and. And this is going for like two years, right? Finally, I'm like, I'm like, have you like brought this up to him? You know, like, does he know that he owes you this money? Because I've had that. Like, I owe somebody twenty bucks. I just forget. I have a shitty memory. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to beat you out of twenty bucks. You know, like it's not. You know, a friendship is not worth twenty dollars. Right. You know? Um. And anybody that knows me knows Stork has a shitty memory. He probably forgot. You know. So anyway, so I told him, I'm like. You know, maybe you should bring it up. No, no, he knows. He knows. I was like, I don't think that's fair. Maybe he knows, but for you to hold a resentment yet never give him the opportunity to rectify it, right? Like that's not fair, right? Like you know, I, to me, what I would do in that situation is I'd say, all right, it's possible that he owes me this money and just doesn't give a shit, right? It's possible, but maybe. He owes me this money. Maybe he forgot, right? He just forgot about it. Maybe he thinks that he paid me back. You know, maybe he like paid, gave 50 bucks to Jay and then like just, you know, got the memory switch and he's like, oh yeah, I gave that 50 back to Kurt, you know, or whatever. And, you know, there's, there's a whole plethora of things that it could be. Like I, I owed a guy 40 bucks for a ticket for something. I just forgot stuff yeah. comes up and then he sent me a message and it was like like hey can i get that money from you i'm like oh shit like i completely forgot about that mm -hmm. you know so well life and, happens yeah life happens and i'm like the other thing is is and i told him this i'm like 
if you if you go to him and say, hey, you still owe me that 50 bucks, you know, can I get that from you? Not only are you giving him the opportunity to like sort of straighten the stuff out, but you're also clarifying. Like if you say, hey, can I get the 50 bucks? And then he's like, I don't owe you 50 bucks, blah, 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 or like whatever, you know, I don't care. Now, you know, for sure. Right. You know, now yeah. you've, you've, you've defined it. But unless you don't need to waste any more thought on it, you know, right. exactly like we said before, where you stand, right? Like he, he owes you the money and he doesn't give a shit. But if right. he says, oh my God, I completely forgot about it. But by bringing it up, you're at least like getting to the heart of what's actually happening instead of like guessing and assuming and you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, that's, that's exactly it. And I, I've, it's one of the things I've been uh, working on in the last, you know, couple of years is again, living up to, to things I commit to, mm-hmm. you know? And at the same time, trying to go outside of my comfort zone to address things with people, address problems, you mm-hmm. know, because a lot of people will just cut someone out of their life for something like, like you said, they just might have forgotten about. Yeah. But even so, I think with a part where you're saying about, you know, you're driving all the way back, like, shit, I never got to hang out with my friend. Like, right. that's the stuff. Like, I, I don't want to live with regrets and being right. like, oh, I tried to not make someone else feel bad. Right. You know, yeah. um, I want to, uh, I want to ask you more about that codependency stuff because uh-huh. that's a, that's a, a buzzword that's been coming up with me in, in my life in the last couple of years uh-huh. that I haven't really learned much about. But before we talk about any of that, I'd like to get uh, the listeners an opportunity to sort of get to know you as, right. uh, as the person in the comic as well, as opposed to right. bear your soul. And how'd you get started? Well, it was a <laughs> right. go back to the dark a ages. Lucky young news boy. <laughs> <laughs> so I always ask this of my guests. How did you get started in uh, stand up comedy? Let's see. I, I grew up in Baltimore. Uh, you know, you like, one of the lucky ones that got to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A wonderful city of shit. Um, there's a whole backstory. I was dating this French girl and, and you know, I was going to move to France and I was going to, at one point I, I was looking into uh, shipping Harley Davidson's to, to Europe. And like, that was going to be how I made money. Right. I was, I don't know. It was kind of a crazy. So anyway, so like um, everything that I, I, I would, that was, that was just what I was going to do with my life. Right. I was just going to move to France to be with this girl. And when we broke up, uh, I was just devastated. Like I was, I was just a shell for like months and, uh, and I was so broken that I realized that I didn't have a point. I didn't have a purpose. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I was just, I was existing like sort of a, an appendage to, to her, you know, mm-hmm. Um, like it didn't matter what I did or my career is just, I just need to be with this, this, this person. And, uh, so I was like, if I never have another relationship again, like I need to have my own purpose, my own goal or whatever. And so I started thinking about that kind of stuff, like where, well, what's, you know, what do I want to do? And I, and I was thinking like, what are the things that I like? What are the things that I enjoy? What I'm good at, whatever. And, uh, there was this poster it was one of those motivational success posters, you know, with the eagle fucking right. rat or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> you know, an eagle like, you know, soaring through the mountains with a child in its talon, you know, <laughs> aim big, you know, <laughs> a kid wearing garanimals. Anyway, I mean, that bird's going to eat good, right? So, uh, the the phrase said, "Do what you love, the money will follow." Mm-hmm. So I'm like, "All right, what do I love?" And the first obvious ones were um, 
motorcycles and art, right? So I used to paint and draw. I was going to go to art school after high school. I uh, applied to Maryland Institute College of Art, and uh, they were going to give me money and stuff, like a a grant. Not a grant, but like I don't know, they're going to bursary help. or something. Like you know, where like it costs eighteen thousand a year, they're going to give you twelve or ten. So they'd subsidize some of it. Yeah, it's like they're like we'll cut you a break kind of thing. But I still couldn't afford it. Like we just didn't have the money, you know. And uh, and then I did the math, and it's like even with the like financial assistance stuff, like I'm still going to be like you know fifty, sixty thousand dollars in the hole. And for what? Like, look, I can paint a fucking base, you know? Oh, look, I can accurately render this landscape. What do you do? Like, how's that going to, you know? And growing up in a, in a like, sort of blue-collar, you know, economy, like, you know, everybody worked with their hands. You know, you're a mechanic, a welder, a, I don't know, transmission guy. Oh, well, he's more of a roofer, you know? Like, it was just, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. there wasn't. It was the, the, the museum is an art scene in Baltimore was not quite. <laughs> yeah. Or at least not just in my neighborhood. You know, it was just right. like, that's not what people did. It's like you work with your hands and come home tired, you know, like even today, like if I, if I spent all day, like, you know, like, like tearing an engine out of my car or whatever, I, and I take a shower at the end of the night and I'm physically exhausted. I feel like I've accomplished something. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that, whatever that thing is that was put in my subconscious as a kid is satiated and I don't feel like a lazy piece of shit or whatever, you know, but like if I sit and write, I could do a whole bunch of work on comedy, write and edit videos and all this. But if, if I didn't draw blood and my hands aren't my, if my fingernails aren't black, like I don't feel like I actually did work. Okay. It's weird. I do understand that. Yeah. So, um, Excuse me. So anyway, so I was thinking, well, I could race motorcycles. I could, I could be a motorcycle mechanic. I could, uh, you know, maybe I could do something with art, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know what I would do, but so I'm just bouncing around with all this different stuff. And then one, one, I was at the beach and, uh, um, I'm walking down the boardwalk and like something happened, like somebody dropped their pizza or a stroller caught fire or whatever. And, like, <laughs> <you know. laughs> A stroller, <laughs> just walking, boom! Oh yeah. my god, <laughs> spontaneous baby combustion, you know. Mm-hmm. But I like made a joke. These two girls were walking, I made like blah 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 blah. Like I don't even know what I said, and they start cracking up. Somebody else who overheard it starts cracking up, and uh, and I'm laughing because it was funny, and yeah. I and it just popped in there, and uh, and I'm thinking, oh man, I gotta tell, I gotta tell my friends about this when I get back to the condo, you know. And then it hit me. I'm like, that's it that's what I do. Like, yeah, I grew up riding motorcycles and going racing with my dad and everything. And I grew up drawing and painting and stuff, but, but make coming up with funny stuff. Yeah. Just making, cracking jokes. Yeah, just making, them. making people laugh, but coming up with that funny thing, like in the moment, like that's across the board, whatever situation I'm in, that's the thing that I do. You know, when I was in France, I barely spoke the language. But I figured out how to be funny. I figured out how to make Uncle DDA laugh and how to get like, you know, like I I don't know the word for, you know, 
car or whatever, but I can like do something. I can I can do physical. You can still bring down the walls and, and yeah, and, like you know, yeah, like, you know, facial expression. Like I mean, you know, like yeah, like just that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, so then it was a while before you know I'm thinking, well, I could write funny greeting cards. I could. I don't know. Oh, you still weren't thinking stand up no, comedy no at that point. Not even a oh. clue. I was like, you know, maybe a, co- a comic strip or, you know, I don't know. I just. And then one night we're watching like a stand up, you know, like uh, where it's like a series of different. And I'm like, wait, what about that? That seems pretty straightforward. You just, you don't have to have a printing company or, uh, you know, like sell shit to newspapers. You just you think it and then you, you say, say it. it yeah like that's it like that seems pretty uh well i'll mess around with that you know maybe see what that does you yeah. know which is of course what everybody thinks oh these guys they just think it and say it that's yeah, all there is just, to stand-up comedy that's yeah. the easiest job in the world yeah just talk about your sandwich you yeah know? but uh so yeah so then like um so that i did some research and then like you know how does one even do that? Like, where do you go? You know, and then, okay, comedy clubs. And then, you know, look at how there's two comedy clubs. And then I called and asked about something. And then they were like, yeah, like, you know, we have an open mic on Thursday. It's this place called Winchester's Comedy Club in Baltimore. It was like right downtown, like right in the heart of the city. It literally in an alleyway. Oh, wow. And uh, it was a cr- like across the street from the only other comedy club in Baltimore, which <laughs> was a little bit bigger, but like, uh, not, I don't know. They're both kind of shit, but like, but that was where I started. I went to the open mic at Winchester's and, uh, the first night I, I actually went uh, with my friend Jack and, uh, and I just went just to, just to watch, you know, like, I just want to see how this works. I don't know. I don't know anything about this. Right. Um, like I wasn't like, you know, I didn't like listen to Carlin and Pryor under the bed sheets. Like you hear mm-hmm. some comics talk about like, um, the only two comics that I even knew of as a kid were emo Phillips and Stephen Wright. Right. You know, and I love them even still. I saw emo like a couple months ago. He's m- magnificent. <laughs> My friend Jack is like, he's like, I'm going to go up <laughs> like what? He's like, I don't know. So he like literally just put his name on the list and then he went up and just So you could do that that night. Yeah. You could actually just show, sign up. Show up, up, sign up. Like it's oh, literally wow. let's say like it starts at eight, sign up starts at seven thirty. So if you're not physically in the room, you're not on the list. And then people would show up at like eight fifteen and it's like, sorry, the list is full, you should have got here sooner. Eventually, like they would do like where you would, you know like not call, call in but like yeah. you know like all right well i'm definitely coming next week but but you had to like i mean you had to either be there or you had to call i mean because you get to know everybody right right i know andy is going so hey andy i'm on my way i'm just stuck in traffic are you there yet yeah i'm here it's my name on the, yeah i put your name on the list and just let them know i am coming yeah like, i'm not on the like i'm just i'm just trying to get there right know? so and it was you know how did your first set go? Did you oh, bring friends and family? Or? No. Oh my god, no. No, I went. I went by myself. Uh, Jack actually like was pretty funny, and he just he didn't plan anything. He just went up, started talking. He just shit. talked about this. I think he talked to the super friends, and he's like, not really super friends. He's like, I mean, if you think about it, like everybody's out there, Batman and Wonder, they're always getting caught in like traps, and then Superman has to always 
come bail him out. They should have called it Super Friend. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad for off the top of his head. Right? Like, like, like Superman, we're trapped in this ice cave. Like, can you, can you help us? <sighs> Fine. <laughs> I wish you guys wouldn't all just do, you know. Yeah, can you guys stop just going out and getting caught? Yeah, it's something about like the Green Lantern walking by a burning orphanage, but he doesn't have his ring on. <laughs> He's like, I, I don't have my ring. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do anything to help. Yeah. Then I went back the next week. I went up with what I thought was going to be like five minutes of material. I think I did it in a minute and forty seconds. Oh wow. And I bombed hard. I really? Mean, oh fuck! And still tried again. Yeah, I because I, a lot of people have their like their great first set. That's and the then, worst and then thing. Fuck, that can, and then and then shit the bed the next one. But they have that first time. To that's the remember. worst. That is the absolute worst thing that can happen. You think so? Oh my god! Absolutely. To have like your first set go well, that's the worst thing that you can possibly because like it's like heroin, right? First time like kills it audience is going nuts and then the comics thinking well i got this i'm a natural and so then they go up the second time and it maybe they don't have all their friends there or whatever and then they don't do as well so it's like they're starting with this like very artificial first impression of where their talent or ability is mm -hmm. and Every comic that, that has had that experience, I see like their work ethic is just terrible because they think like, well, I'm just a natural. Like I just go up and do my thing. Like the first time was just like, you know, shooting fish in a barrel. Whereas the comics who go up and just eat a dick the first time and like bomb and go down in flames, they're like, because like for me, I was like, like that was so awful. Like I can't believe that I'm going to have to just keep doing this. Like, it never occurred to me that I'm not going to do this. Right. Like, that was like, I don't know if I want to do it. Like, it was already decided. Like, this is what I'm doing. And as, as horrible and painful as that was, I'm going to come next Thursday, and I'm going to put my name on the list, and I'm going to have to go through that again. Like, it, it was just. Well, that's, that's a strong work ethic. I, I've seen the flip side of, I mean, I've heard arguments for both, both sides. Mm-hmm. Brian Regan tells the story of the first time he ever did it, and he forgot his entire act that he'd written down. Uh huh. And they started laughing because he's like, "Wow, you guys aren't gonna believe this! I just forgot my entire act." And he's like, and then they laughed, and he's like, "No, no, I'm serious." And they laughed, and he goes, "You guys don't understand. This is a nightmare." And they laughed again. He goes, "Wow, you must think I'm a big fucking idiot." And they were laughing. And he goes, and and I got off stage, and he goes, even the pros were like, "Oh my god, that was amazing. Was that planned?" He goes, "Was that planned?" Like he couldn't believe, and he goes, and then the next five times he got on stage, he had the act that he had written and everything and bombed and died a terrible death. But for right. in his head, he goes, all I remember that kept me going was, I know I got him laughing. Right. Like I know, you know, he's like, I know I've done it before so I can get back to that. Right. Because he goes, because I can't imagine how many great comics maybe tried it the first time, died a horrible death, went, well, I don't need this in my life, and then right. just stopped and never went back and tried again. Right. So I do see what you're saying. Like there are people definitely, I myself had a good first time. And you know, it actually, actually, it's not. I can't say like I had a terrible second time. I actually did decent, but I was a comedy fan. I did take it serious. Uh, I did always want to improve. Both sides make sense. You know, yeah, I can see the I benefit just, of I've, doing well and then not, and then I can see the benefit of doing not well and then eventually building up there. Right. I just, I just I've fear. seen it. I've seen it. This guy, that guy, her, her, him, her, and 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 her and him. You know, they all had like just they it was a it, they started out shitty. 
And then they just gradually, incrementally got better and better and better and better. Mm-hmm. Whereas him, him, her, and him, they all had like those like amazing, like they just, you know, they brought a lot of people or right, they were the just safety blanket. Something, something clicked or fell into place and they had that great first set. And then a year later, they just, they just, they have nothing. Like they don't write, like they're just, it's like there's, they're waiting for that magic to just happen. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's like that, like, like when somebody's superstitious, they wear the lucky socks and they rub the doorknob twice before, you know, it's like they don't know what to uh, attribute their success to because it feels like it was like this just natural thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I've just, I've just seen that as a pattern, you know, more often. It makes sense. There's probably, well, the funny thing too, is that there's probably the people out there like yourself who maybe just did bad the first time, but then there's, but then they just never came back. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen lots of people do it once and never see oh, them yeah. again. Oh, and yeah. it's like, who knows it, that first, that person could have been the next whatever, but they just, that first time and it was out of the gates. And then there's the ones who do bomb their first time and keep coming back and never get any better. Still yeah. just think they're naturally funny and that mm-hmm. the crowds don't get them. Yep. I think it's probably, there's more of the character. So it's like guys like you or me, like I guarantee even if you did well your first time and then ate it the next few times, you'd still keep trying to make it better. Just, it, I think it's a character thing. Well, and I don't know that I would have, uh, my approach would have been the same. Right. You know, like, like for me, it was like I started out with the belief, well, this is going to be a very slow, tough slog. So I recorded my sets. I listened to them. I went over them. How did I say this? How did I say that? You know, like I just, uh, I, I, I started, it's like, you know, like, what do you call it? Uh, D-Day. Like when you start out, like the gate of the boat opens and like everybody's just getting like riddled with bullets. It's mm-hmm. like, you're okay. You know, we're, uh, there's no slow cold open. Like we're just, you know? Yeah. So it's like when they finally make it over that cliff, whew, all right. Like everything else is like, you know, we're going to have to do some, some, some firefights, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. And not know. all of us are going to be here at the end. Right. But like that, like we got through that horrible, horrible, <laughs> horrible, you know, and it's like bombing, like people who are afraid of bombing people are like, well, I don't want to bomb. Like, well, you're going to bomb. Yeah. There's, it's not, it's not negotiable. It's going to happen. Just try to learn from it. Yeah. Take something and make it, make a positive out of it. Don't just deal with it. Like yeah. I, I did a show in Florida where I was I was in between gigs and I went to open mic and uh, the guy's like, "Do you want to go up?" And I'm like, "No, no, no, I'm just hanging out." And the comic who I was crashing with was like, "He's like, no, 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 he's it's his first time and he's really nervous." And and the and the host was like, "Oh man, don't be nervous. Like it's a really positive environment." I'm like, "Dude, what are you doing?" Right? He's like, "No, it'd be funny. Like you know, first time, then just go up and do your thing." I'm like, "Yeah, but what's so what? Yeah, what's to be gained from that? Who gives a shit? Like, ooh, like." It's an ego stroke. That's right. what it is. Yeah, like fuck that. Like, oh, go up and flex in the mirror. Why don't you? You know. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna go up and bomb. <laughs> and he's like, What? I was like, Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna go up and bomb. Like, like nobody gets anything out of me. Like, oh, I'm just gonna do the jokes I did last week at the club. Like, I'm gonna see how hard I can eat shit on purpose. <laughs> and uh, turns out pretty hard. Nice. Um, I mean, I did everything. I picked the most congested path to the stage. To take as long as possible to get there. Uh huh. That's fucking um, I uh, knocked over stuff on my way through the tables and shit. I mean, literally, like it's an open mic. It's not packed, right? And I'm like, 
I'm literally taking the one path that puts me between all the customers, you know, <laughs> and uh, awkwardly shook the MC's hand, like on the wrong side of the mic stand, knocked the stool over, like just, I mean, everything. I fumbled with the microphone. I, you know, put the microphone in the wrong place. You know, like I put the microphone, I just moved the microphone forward and like raised it up. So it was like even more blocking my face. Right. Um, and I just, I mean, I, I, uh, so, um, uh, I was thinking the other day I was at, on the, but I was on the, but well, well, it was actually before I got on the bus, but I, so I wasn't on the bus yet, but I was, I was before I got on the bus, I was, was at the bus stop actually is where I was when I was thinking this. Like so the just audience, taking as long right, as you yeah, could the, to get right, to anything. Like that doesn't matter. The audience doesn't give a fuck whether I was on the bus or at a picnic table or it doesn't matter. And uh, like just, you know, like just all the like classic sort of you don't know what you're doing, comedy mistakes, you know. Um, when I got, went to hit the punch, like the one thing that like was going to sound like a punchline, like the big joke that I probably was like anchoring everything to, I put my finger on the button for the for the XLR cable. Oh, and ditch the thing. And yeah, so yeah. I blah, blah, blah. And then as I pulled the microphone out, the cable pulled off. Of the button, yeah. So like whatever that punchline word was. You killed it. With, I killed it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was great. It was so great. There's so many other things. And uh, um, I walked two people. Nice. And uh, that's half the crowd in open mic. Yeah. And it was, <laughs> but it was interesting because I realized like, Every fiber in my being wanted me to like reach into my back pocket and pull out a bit. Right. Cause I'm bombing. I'm getting silence. It's awkward. It's painful. And I'm like, this is the thing that we all run from. Right. This is the silence, like the deafening giant tidal wave of nothing that we're afraid of. And I'm Brick, you're running towards I'm running it. towards it like yeah. this doesn't make sense and like every reflex every instinct i had because i can fix this i can fix this you know yeah. it's like you're in a bank robbery and you're you're on the floor with your head down and you know that you have a nuke in your pocket you're like i can fix this <laughs> but i'm not allowed to you know and it was it was hard it was hard to not do that and and then I realized after the fact that by embracing the silence and, and like actually forcing myself to surrender to the bombing, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid of it anymore. Like the next week when I was doing shows, I would do a bit or I would try out something new. And if it didn't hit, I was okay. Like I didn't feel the need to speed up. Right. I didn't feel the need to like rush to the punchline or I, I have to win them back kind of thing. Like I just, I was comfortable and it was, it, it gave me a, a whole nother level of confidence to be able to just, to just be me, just go up and do my thing and like, be okay with that. Like I didn't, I wasn't running from the silence. Right. It didn't, you know? it didn't, yeah. It didn't fuck with you or shake you when you're on stage. Yeah. Now, uh, talking about the whole DD thing and running for the cliff and then finally getting there and you're like, okay, this is better. How, how, um, how long before you went from being an open micro to, to a, a paid comic, you're doing openers, you're doing, you know, uh, weeks at the club, even just a ballpark. Was it, was it a year, five years, Probably two or three, two or three years? Hard to say. 
what I ask people sometimes too is, was there any like milestones that you hit that that you realized like I'm on to something here, like this actually is viable? Well, so I, I basically I did open mics in Baltimore, and then um, and then I would go to open mics down in Washington D.C. because it's only like an hour away, and you know, and there was then I met more comics, and you know, and and there was there were comics who would do D.C. and not Baltimore, and and Baltimore and not do D.C. And what I found was. I got to know comedians in both cities because I was going to all the mics and stuff. There was I, I was exposing myself to much more stand up and I was I was seeing more more different styles of, of comedians, different rooms, and I was doing do any room. I don't give a shit, right? We could do poetry rooms, you know, there's like like all uh what do you call it? like Def Jam called Def Jam or all black clubs where they just don't have white comics. Mm-hmm. Well I we'd go. It's like, can we get a spot? And they're like, yeah, we don't give a shit. Like, you know, comic, you know, comics are comics. Like, we don't give a fuck. You know? Right. Comedians have more in common with each other than than their allegiance to one particular type of audience. You know right. What I mean, of course. And uh, so the comics like, yeah, we don't give a shit. I'm like, all right, so we go up, and and usually the you know the crowds were like, oh, like this is new. Like yeah. we're just you know like oh like it'd be like if uh, a novelty. Yeah, like a prop comic were to go to like a. I don't know, like a hipster artsy place it's like you know they might not like it but you know but it's like that you're not gonna see that and then dc is a is more of like a white collar economy right you've got government tech biotech like you know baltimore's more blue collar economy a little you know rougher like i said dirt under the fingernails like you know so if you can play both rooms it'd be like if it'd be like if you had hamilton ontario mm-hmm. right next to ottawa right you know you would be wow we're we're my jokes work with like all the smart government government workers, but they also work with the, you know, the steel mill factory like rough and tumble kind of audiences, right? You know? So it's like if you can hit both, like your sort of uh, accessibility is a lot greater. Yeah. Whereas if a comic only develops in like San Francisco and they never like branch out, they can kill with a very specific di- demographic, but like. It it can be limiting as well. Yeah, you know? it's like oh, all the kale kale salad jokes work here. It's like right. that's not. <laughs> yeah, and it, to me, it's like if you can make if I can make my <coughs> material more accessible, you know, I want to do what I want to do, you know. But can I word this in a way that more people get it? Mm-hmm. You know, like not just Star Wars fans or not just people that you know are introspective and work on their psych, you know, whatever psychology stuff they got going on you know absolutely were there any um like i say were there any big milestones that you can remember in your career anything that was that stood out as like a turning point um there was the first time that i got to so in the states the mc is the newest comic Mm -hmm. and then the feature or middle is like sort of like a journeyman right the person who's been doing it for a while right a couple years whatever and then the headliner is sort of like the main act or whatever right so uh so in the states your first spot as an mc that's like sort of like oh my god i'm actually getting paid with a real audience like that was like a big like holy shit like this is this is happening you know kind of thing even though it was a shit club and all that kind of stuff it was a big deal for me like it meant a lot yeah, I think, and then, like, everything was incremental, you know, like, after that, it's like, 
you know, then I get a, a spot hosting at like a better club or a bigger club and then branching out to like Virginia and Pennsylvania and whatever. Um, starting to get gigs, like actually getting like, you know, where like they, they send you an email with the itinerary and like, mm-hmm. and like staying in a hotel. Like that was another sort of milestone. It's like, it's one thing to like drive down to the local club, do a weekend show and like, you know, yes, I got paid, but I'm also sleeping in my bed tonight when they put me in a hotel. (laughs) Fancy. You know what I mean? It's like that. Like I'm a real comedian. (laughs) You know what I, you know, like that was, that was like a, a, a milestone right there. Yeah, and then, like, you know, have to get my passport, like, doing gigs in, like, the Bahamas, up here in Canada, like, all that kind of stuff, you know. And then there's been others, like, but I would say that, yeah, I'm sure there's probably bigger ones. It's a hard question. I, I yeah. It's not one that anyone's ever prepared for. I ask it, and just sometimes it, it there's a few things that stand out, that there's something there cool. Some, sometimes it's not. You know what? There's been a lot of little successes. I, and actually, I just realized, as you were, I'm sorry to cut no, you no, off, of but, like, I realized that when... I hear the word milestone. Like I don't, I don't even think about like credits, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, well, you know, I did this show and then I won that thing. And there's contests that I've won that meant nothing Mm -hmm. or, you know, it just, to me, it's like when I think of milestone, like it's like more like personal, you know? Absolutely. And, and that's what I'm looking for too, is, is generally speaking, cause like that's the stuff that drives us. It's great to do festivals and TV spots and things like that. But I mean, for me, like milestones is like you said, it's a personal thing. This happened and that, that made me realize this. And that, that's when I felt yeah. that. So yeah, we were on the same page for sure. That bombing, bombing on purpose. Well, that like was said, a huge milestone. Absolutely. That was a big, that was a big breaker right there. I'm doing this on purpose. I, another one was when uh, I turn off the targeting computer, you know, like when you're in the, when Luke's flying through the trench of the Death Star and it goes like yeah. up and out of the way. Let go, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Trust knowing, your feelings. knowing that I had like when I was like, cause in this, like I was saying, in the States, you middle, you do 30 minutes, right? And having that 30 minutes solid, like I can go up, I can do 30 minutes and it's bulletproof. Like I can be sick, I can be drunk, I can have a headache, I could be blind, and I can still do this thirty minutes, and I know it back and front, and it's gonna and it's gonna pop like the because the jokes are written to work, you know. Like I don't have to like do a whole lot of salesmanship in it, whatever. Having that allowed me to then play because it's like I, I was talking about this the other week it's like having a gun in your pocket like you know like hey i can go off trail here i can just riff about somebody's shirt or a hamburger or whatever and if it's funny great but if it's not funny it's fine because i can always just shift right back to my tried and true set Mm -hmm. so knowing that like i'm not afraid of losing them because i know i can get them back right that was a big breaking sort of point because it's like i can experiment well, and it's it. That's the confidence, just to be able to go. Hey, I'm going to do what I. I I'm going to have fun, and if having fun <laughs> brings me down this road, well, I I have a set of breadcrumbs to bring me back. Right. Exactly. Know? So I love you. Of course, you as an American go with a gun reference first. I got a gun in my pocket, so right. Well, you know, <laughs> I can force them back onto my side. Right. Right. You know, it's like having a loaded forty-five. You know, you get you just put the gun to their heads, and then everyone's having fun. Right. It's like worst case scenario. I pull the forty-five out and say, "Look, wave it around in a room where everyone's sitting, right, not unlike a theater." Theater, <laughs> baptism, uh, 
sizzler all you can eat buffet <laughs> but yeah but it's like it's that confidence of knowing <coughs> that like you're gonna be able to pull it out and then it's like you know because like if you're scared like if i'm scared like you know when it's like i don't want to lose them because god for like i don't know if i'll be able to get them back but you know having that like i don't know and like now i've i've kind of been working towards like getting more personal talking about like you know more deeper personal stuff you know? well and that was my next question is did you have any milestones maybe any low points any any parts that made you you know rethink things or you know like jesus the moment of doubt on the cross oh, jesus. yeah that happens all the time yeah i mean that's those are too many to count right you know? yeah every week what am i doing <laughs> point? well like i said when you first talk about the girl from france you know that uh -huh. was that was a low point that pushed you towards comedy yeah yeah. No other, uh, not that I'm wishing them on you, of course, oh, no, but, I, but anything, I mean, obviously we doubt all the time. I, 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 I expect them to the point that when they don't happen, I get nervous. You're like, oh fuck, this is going to be big. Right. Things are going <laughs> too well. Like something bad's coming around the corner, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Tons of bad stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Too well, again, yeah, again, the little doubts and stuff like that, but it's not, oh, like, yeah, it's, like, it's not like you lost a car and had to cancel six months worth of gigs. And then it was a slow climb back and nothing. Oh, like I'm that. sure. I'm sure that kind of, yeah. I'm the, the thing is, it's like that stuff. I, I think I just, because of my life, I learned to accept that stuff. It's just like, oh, of course my car just blew up. You know, <laughs> of course I just got like, like when I had the, the last motorcycle wreck, I snapped my leg. Right. And uh, I'm on crutches. I'm all fucked up. Right. And uh, I had a gig in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, like two weeks after the crash. And like my leg is like shattered, right? And the booker calls me. He's like, you know, hey, like saw the thing, blah blah blah. You know, you know, we're gonna, you know, find somebody. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm doing the gig. I need the money. And he's like, are you, wait, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, like just, you know, long as like I just need a chair to sit in. Like I can't, you know, I can't stand right. for 45 minutes, you know, cause I got a broken leg. I have to keep it elevated. So as long as I can keep my leg elevated, I can do the show. And he's like, you're serious. You're not, you're not like, this isn't a, I'm like, yes, I'm serious. You don't need to get, I mean, if you want to get another comic, it's up to you, but like, I'm totally, so that's what I did. I just drove. It was only like, this is a two hour drive. And I put my leg up on the dashboard and I drove to Harrisburg, and I have pictures where I'm like on stage. You you drove, I drove. So you had one foot down working the gas and the brake, yeah. and then the other fucking leg yeah, up on the left leg was whilst up. driving. Yeah, my and leg. you can still see your mirror on the left side. Uh, I don't remember, but uh, you're like because the Vicodin and the I'm just yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like I because I, I had cruise control, so I could control the that with the thumb with the steering wheel. Right, and I just put my leg up, you know, on the in the dashboard up on the windshield, and I just drove with that. But uh, and then I did the show. I had prop. Put, I literally put my broken leg up on a stool. I sat in a chair and I just, just did, did the show that way. How'd it go? It was good. It, actually, it was really good. Um, and I found once again by doing things differently, there were certain bits that I'm used to standing and being physical and like, you know, walking around or I don't know, whatever. Like do, like do your whole set sitting down once. You know, do your whole show sitting on the stool. And it's like there's there'll be at least a couple bits where you're like. Oh, this is different. Mm -hmm. I have to deliver this a little bit differently. And there were bits that actually got better because I did it that way. 
it's just, I don't know. I don't like, you know, I had to pace just it. Just shake it up and try something different. Yeah. You know, I've done shows with fevers and the flu and. Yeah. It's different once you're on stage. Uh, Pete Johansson calls it doctor comedy. Yeah. You go up on stage and just whatever was wrong with you seems to go away yeah. while you're there. And then as soon as you get on stage, it all just comes right, right. back. It was paused and we're back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was here last winter, I had like the flu like horribly. And like, it was like Thursday and Friday. Like you guys have been awesome. Thank you so much. You know, enjoy the rest of your night. And I didn't make it halfway back to the green room. I'm like, oh my god, I gotta go to bed. Yeah, you know, yeah. But it comes and goes real quick. Yeah, but yeah, like I, it's far. I, all the usual stuff. You know, like you know, am I ever gonna you know make enough money? Is this gonna happen? Is that gonna happen? Like, oh, I wish I could do this thing or that thing. Like you know, but that's everybody goes through that. Right. Well, like you said, do what you love and the money will come. And, and that so far it has. <laughs> well, not really. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that poster lies. Kill your dreams, everyone. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, and it's, uh, and I've thought about like, you know, branching out too. Like, it's like if you, if you spend 10, 15 years of t- acquiring a, a specific tool belt and then you say, ah, this, maybe this isn't working or I need to make more money or I can't afford a mortgage or whatever, I'll just uh, be an accountant. Okay, but like you spent 15 years learning how to be a blank. Why not use those tools? Like, I don't know. That's why a lot of comics will go into like radio or, or, or acting or, you know, hosting things or, you know, whatever. Being a professional MC for game shows or TV stuff or I don't know, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like there's a lot of stuff we're good at, you know public speaking acting well a lot of people are afraid of public speaking so yeah they're terrified put them in another public speaking doesn't bother me doesn't bother you noreen at jay's roast i mean like we're used to it she even said that she's like you you guys are used to this you know like this is what you do like she's like i'm terrified and it's like oh yeah that's right yeah like and that was the same thing for me like i was absolutely terrified the first time i went on stage and that didn't go away it was there for years. Like every time I'm like, like having like these like mini panic attacks, mm-hmm. but that's how determined I was. I'm like, I'm, I'm going through this massive amount of anxiety. I don't have any medication to mitigate it. And I'm still going up there and doing it. Like I'm literally terrified and I'm choosing to do the thing that I'm terrified of. Yeah. You know? Well, it's even like sometimes the, the opposite is even scarier. It was just the whole idea of like, hey, but what if I don't do this? Like, right. But it's usually the doing it that's <laughs> most <laughs> right. people are. Ter- but but that gets into the like codependency and the and the self work that I've been doing on my, go, and, you know. I and that's what I wanted to ask about. Yeah. That. So like, do you mind if I ask? Uh, you don't have to answer. You can get as personal. Dude, I'm as open as fuck. I don't give a I shit. I know. And I've never really had anyone say, no, we're not going to do it. But just to know that it's uh, it's not about being uh, prying. It's just about. Just ask the question what was going on with you? Like what, what, uh, what is codependency and, and what uh, sort of moved you forward into getting help with it? Codependency is often a, <laughs> I was going to read the, the definition in the book, but um, so codependency essentially like uh, there's a better definition out there. I'm sure mm-hmm. look it up Wikipedia coda.org coda. Um, but basically coda codependency is like uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you an mm. example. You see, like the alcoholic husband, right? Okay. Piece of shit, you know, bad temper, drinks all the time, maybe drug problem, whatever, right? We all know that, like, dirtbag husband. And then you got the wife who's like 
so nice and super sweet and she's like oh you know he's just you know he's got a good heart and he's trying and uh, he's not that bad when he's not drinking you know like always making the excuses mm. she's wiping the enabler his, right exactly wiping his ass pick clean up his messes right and like people say like, i don't get it like he's such a piece of shit and she's so nice and that dynamic well that is the sort of stereotypical textbook codependent relationship right so you have the the one person is an alcoholic, an addict, uh, abusive, uh, you know, whatever. There's a like something negative. They got a personality disorder. They're bipolar. They're narcissistic. They're uh, histrionic or borderline, whatever, right? And then they, and then you on the other side you have the codependent, right? The codependent is the person who gets, you know, low self esteem. And then what they do is they, they you, uh, build the self-esteem by fixing, saving, rescuing, caretaking this other person, mm -hmm. right? So the alcoholic is drawn to the codependent because they're like, you know, sort of this like nurturing, helpful, you know, I accept you and I'm here for you and all that. And they basically put up with their bullshit. And the codependent is drawn to the person that's damaged that needs rescuing, so it's this sort of mutually symbiotic mm -hmm. relationship. Like I'm a mess. Well, I love to rescue people and then they find each other. And then it's this like, sort. and there's, there's cycles to it and all that kind of stuff. But codependency does not require two people. Person A is codependent mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter whether their codependency is activated or, or happening in a romantic relationship, a work relationship, a friendship, family, you know, situation, you know, you see it where, you know, the child is codependent with the parent, you know, the parent is, you know, whatever abusive or screwed up or whatever. And the child is like trying to save, rescue, caretake, fix the, mm -hmm. the, the, the parent, you know, right. or whoever, you know? So, um, like I said, there's a much better definition out there. And I'm sure uh, several far worse definitions as well. Probably. But people, people yeah. just like people use the term narcissist very loosely, mm -hmm. and, and they don't really understand what the actual personality disorder is. Um, the same thing is true with codependency. Like people are, you know, they'll use that term interchangeable. Oh, that, you know, codependent on this or with that or whatever. But they don't actually know what it means. You know, for me, it's like I was codependent in relationships. I would get into relationships with, you know, damaged goods, right? And, you know, the girl's, you know, she's got a good heart, but like she's got a drinking problem or she's got like abandonment issues or she's got intimacy or whatever, you know. And I would hang in there. I would stick it out, right? right? I would just sort of fight the good fight, you know, like, oh, I, you know, I would date for potential. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so as a result, I would date a lot of people that were wrong for me. And so as a result, like I dated a lot of fixer uppers, mm -hmm. right? Scratch and dent, you know, if there's 30 criteria that would make somebody a good fit for you, you'd find somebody that had like eight of those 30 and then hope steer, nudge, encourage the person to like be a little funnier or less angry about uh, other, you know, ethnicities or, you know, like, mm. it's like, oh, well, you know, she's a little racist or, oh, she like drinks too much, but you know, I'm sure that'll settle down. And it, that's sort of classic codependent 
you know, wishful thinking of mm. like, oh, this person's going to be less angry or less that or more this or more that, you know, whatever. And instead of like, this is who the person is, you know? Yeah. And you can't change other people. Right. And, you know? but codependence, we do that. That's, you know. So and, how did you get to a point where you're like, uh, I mean, how do they, I need help with this or something? So like, I, did something happen? That, yeah. So okay. I was in a relationship and, uh, I was a comic and, uh, she, she and I dated for a while and, um, and things, you know, things were just kind of like, it wasn't, it wasn't a great fit. Like it was a decent fit, but it wasn't a great fit. And I was kind of, I had already started to kind of think that maybe I should, that we should split up. Right. But then she wound up breaking up with me. Right. And I was a mess. I mean, I was devastated and I like talking to some of my close friends and they're like, why are you so like upset? Like you're just, it's like your world's crashing down. I was like, I know that's what it feels like. Like, it feels like, you know, like, like she actually said to me when we were breaking up, she's like, she's like, you're acting like your mom died. And I was like, I know that's what it feels like. And that's when something clicked. I'm like, something, something ain't right here. Like that. I, like, I literally feel like my mom just died and like the, my world is just getting ripped apart. And it's just, it's just a girlfriend that we dated for a while and it didn't, you know, like it, this doesn't fit. The reaction that I'm having is so great. And like overwhelmed, like, I mean, it was like, it was a mess and, uh, it shouldn't be like, this is disproportionate. Something, I got some bad wire. I need to look at this. I got bad wiring in my head. So I had no idea where to start. So I just would like, I would go to the bookstore and I just go in the self-help section and just like, just grab random books and read the thing on the back and. Uh, you know, like watching like Oprah and stuff like that. Like really, but like every once in a while, there'd be something there. Like, oh, today's guest is dealing with whatever, you know, and uh, and like I'd be like, ah, that's 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 I, I I'm that sounds familiar, you know, and like little tidbits here and there, like and uh, and eventually, I think I went to there was like a meeting. It was like Love Addict Anonymous okay. or something. And, uh, and so like, <coughs> I think some of the stuff I had read seemed like it fit that a bit, you know? So I went to like, I went to a couple meetings and it's like, I could identify with some of the stuff that people were talking about. Right. Cause you know, people will share their personal experience. Right. And then, you know, you're like, Oh, I know what that's like, you know? And then there's that sort of, when you identify with stuff, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I do. Like I, that's the same, you know? And so then it's like you're 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 kind of getting to it you know and it's also easier to like when you hear about what someone else is going through it's easier to see it for what it is when it's not yeah. you when you're not so close to the right. puzzle exactly so being able to sit in a room and go fuck i that's not me but i can see exactly what's happening there but right. and i can i can and sometimes yeah. people will share stuff that's like i that is exactly like it's like you're telling my story you know mm. but anyway so that was it was good, but like after like maybe I don't know two months of of going to those meetings, I was talking to somebody and they're like, you know, maybe like you should try checking out this other meeting also, and it was the for one for codependency, and so I went to that meeting and just you know hang out and listen. You don't you know you don't have to talk you know, and it was like oh yeah oh wow like it was like so so much of what people were talking about was just resonating. It's like that is me. That is totally me. I do that, you know, like, oh, I'm in this bad relationship and, but, and I really know I should get out, but it's just, I feel bad. And, you know, like, 
because they're really trying and uh and it's like oh my god this is the same shit that i say you know right and uh so, and sometimes yeah. the actuality is there's no effort from that other person at all. Oh, yeah. You know. And you just, it's like you're holding on to a bad stock. Mm-hmm. You just, yeah, it just keeps going down and you go, yeah, but, but any day now, it's mm-hmm. just going to turn around and make it all worthwhile. Right. And mm-hmm. so that was when I was like, really. And then I started going to therapy and, uh, you know, digging it like the deeper stuff. And then, and this was, this is going back quite a, quite a few years. And I had made a lot of improvements, right? And I was, you know, I've been going to CODA meetings for maybe about a year or so, going to therapy, blah, 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 working on my shit and, uh, and getting at the heart. Like, why do I get so angry when somebody's acting like a bully? Well, because I was bullied as a kid, like a lot, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I have issues with authority, you know, like as a kid, the authority was, was horseshit. Like ta- my parents teachers principals adults never helped me right adults never saved me from anything they never intervened they never like hey stop like fighting or hey don't do that or like no no nobody in a position of authority ever had my back and so as a result i don't trust authority Uh, you know cops government agencies whatever like the only time they would intervene was to punish or ground or send it, send me to detention. So, yeah. so their office, their title had held no respect. Yeah. Like, like you, like if you're in a position of authority, you're never going to help me. You're only going to make my life worse. Right. So I just don't involve you. You know, I do everything on my own. I don't trust. I don't trust them. Well, that's the thing. The relationships about trust. So authority, right. you want me to, to give a fuck about you. I don't trust right. you. It's never going to happen. And that's part of why I became a little bit of a control freak. You know, like I want to drive. I want to learn Photoshop and do it myself. I want to do stand up. You know, I want to be as autonomous as I can. I don't, I don't take my car to a mechanic. I fix it myself because mm-hmm. I know that I'll do it right. I don't trust them to do it right. You know, I don't want to have to rely on other people, you know, so, uh, so, you know, so I learned a lot about myself and, and I got to that dangerous point. It's like when a comic gets like a good 30 to 40 minutes, I had, I had improved my life and gotten healthier just to the point where things ha- had gotten a lot better. And then I just kind of sort of stopped working on myself because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm good. Right. I got I'm this. Good. I got this. Right. And complacency set in and then couple years go by relationship here relationship there and the next thing i know i'm in this relationship and uh there's no intimacy there's no vulnerability um it's there was no fun it was just like you look at it like a checklist it's like there really wasn't a lot of reasons for me to be in that relationship you know we didn't have the same sense of humor we didn't like to do it was just and it was once again it was potential you know, I was hoping that this person, she would come around and blah, blah, blah. And ultimately, I was starting to get more and more miserable, more and more unhappy. I started going back to therapy. And then I started going back to the codependent, the coda meetings. And uh, and one night I'm sitting at the meeting and a person on my right is sharing this like really deep personal stuff, emotional, like, wow, you know, and I was impressed, you know, with the honesty, the, the, the candor, the vulnerability. Like, it takes a lot of balls yeah, absolutely. to, like, say, like, I'm scared. 
Like I'm in this situation and I'm afraid that this person's going to leave me and I'm doing this, that, and the other thing, which is embarrassing. Everybody loves to talk about how great they are. Everybody loves to talk about how successful they are. It's scary to admit, I don't like that person. You know, like that's one of the reasons I, that like the worse the reaction people might have to what you say. Like if, if somebody said, I'm a racist, right? right? Or I uh, like to like punch children in the face. Nobody want, nobody's ever going to say I'm a racist, right? right? Except for maybe the president, right? But like, <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Because they know no, like that they're going to get a, to condemned for it, right? Nobody says I like fucking kids. Yeah, people are afraid of the repercussion. So that's the scary shit, right? It's scary to admit things that make us look bad, mm-hmm. right? Like if I say, uh, you know, I shit my pants and I have a little dick and uh, I don't think I'm actually funny or whatever. Like people be like, oh my God, like, like I could see where people would say like, ooh, that's gross or, well, we want a comedian who's confident or I don't know, whatever, right? Like people are afraid to admit like to those vulnerabilities, right? But people connect with the honesty. And that's the thing. Like there's uh, Brene Brown. Uh, has like a great TED talk where she talks about the power of vulnerability. When people erect these walls, right, and they they don't want to admit their flaws and their faults, their weaknesses, their vulnerabilities, they're doing it in an effort to try to protect themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens is they're not it 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 doesn't work like because then like let's say when the person leaves or a relationship falls apart, or whatever, you they still get hurt. Right. Like it doesn't actually protect us from the pain. The only thing that it does is it puts a wall up and keeps out the pleasure. We think that we're protecting ourselves from the bad, and we're not. The double whammy is is that the only thing that we're protecting ourselves from is the good. Right. Like we're not you can't a, grow if you're not if you're not recognizing. Well, it. you can't let in the love. Let's say you're in a relationship and and this person loves you, right? <laughs> but you're you know, there's this wall because you don't want to get hurt, right? Like uh, my one ex, right? I realized that like the thing was is that there was abandonment issues. You know, her Emma was, you can't ever leave me if I never actually let you in. Right. Prevention of pain. Right. But it was like that if I don't open up, if if I don't actually let you get to know me, if I don't actually become vulnerable, then you're not, I never actually let you into my house. You know, yeah. eh, you know, you're standing out on the front lawn, but you're not actually in my house. The thing is, is that like, it's still going to hurt when I leave, when I walk off the lawn, it's still going to hurt. And you didn't even get to know me. You didn't let, and, and that, and that was a big part of why our relationship didn't work was that she wasn't willing to let me in. She wasn't, she was too scared to be actually vulnerable. And that was what prevented that actual intimacy. And the relationship that I'm in now, like, is the complete polar opposite. Like, right out of the gate, there was just total 100% vulnerability, honesty. Like, we already knew a ton about each other, but, like, the stuff that we shared with each other was like, hey, here's something really embarrassing that you'll probably want to leave me for one time, blah, 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 blah. You know, and then she'd be like, oh, my God, this one time, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it was like, this is like really embarrassing. It's like farting in front of each other. Like I fart in front of her and she farts in front of me. 
And that's important because the thing is, <laughs> sorry, and no, it is. It is important. It was just the uh, cadence in which you're like, and that's important. And it's not this like it's not this the key fucking, to a healthy relationship. It's not this fucking sticky like uh, you know. Oh, you got to fart in front of your gun. No, oh, of course, of course. No, because the thing is, is that a fart, you know, it, it breaks the convention of like the sexy, like the sexy woman in the negligee waiting on the bed with the candles and. The fart is the is the this is reality. Yeah, it breaks the expectations and goes. Can you handle the the the, the surprises? I'm human. Yeah. Like I fart and I shit and I am gonna throw up and get the flu sometimes. And like the woman who doesn't fart in front of her guy or the guy who doesn't fart in front of his woman, like they're 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 upholding some sort of fake storybook facade, right? This Ozzy and Harriet. Oh well, we're. I think we should have the Hendersons over for dinner. Well, as long as we have the pot roast, it's going to turn out right. Don't want to have a, another situation. You know, like you see like those the 50s and 60s, like where like they're having company over for dinner and everything has to go well. And like, we don't want to have, oh no, the dog's loose. We can't have the. Yeah. Well, that's just pandering and posturing. Yeah. It's just, it's, and it's bullshit. It's all bullshit. Like what you, you've got to get the Henderson account to think that you have this like perfect, like nuclear home with the, you know, whatever. It's the same thing. Not farting in front of your partner is, is keeping up some sort of artificial bullshit facade. It's, it's, it's a lie. It's mm-hmm. bullshit. And it's, and it's, and it's superficial. And I don't want that. It's a waste of time. It's like when I'm sure you, know, you get this, where you talk to certain comics or like radio personalities and they're like, you're like, you know, how you been? Like, what's going on? They're like, hey, I'm great. Like, things are going well. You know, we're just rocking it through the work week. Uh, we got the big Ravens bash coming up on Thursday. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to talk to that radio persona. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't want the disingenuous response. Right. I was actually. I, I want to. I know there's a human soul in there somewhere. Like, if I can talk to the soul, the real person, great. If not, I'm going to go get a Pepsi. Yeah. Like, I, I have no interest in interacting with the fucking max headroom you know yeah. persona bullshit right like um be real or you know well that's something too that uh, has come up at times where people people tend to especially with relationships and intimacy is that they do a lot of comparing like well these people look so happy and this uh, these friends over here look at them they just got back it's like yeah but you're seeing the demo reel of everybody's relationship you know what I mean? No one goes on Facebook and posts that they shit their pants and their partner right. had to clean them up. Like, right. You know, no one sh- shows the, the, the big fight that they had over some, whatever they picked on right. Netflix. Like, of course, if you compare yourself to everybody else's demo reel. Right. I and that's, and that's, and, and, and that get, brings it full circle to comedy. You know, like I'm, I, I, I can't recommend the Brene Brown Ted talk enough. Like it's amazing. It's the power, power of vulnerability, right? Okay. The way, when we when we get vulnerable and that was what i what i have with marla you know is that there's that vulnerability like like we know each other like actually like the real dirt you know and uh and as a result i don't have to wonder like what's going on or what's the truth you know like she doesn't have to wonder like we know each other like for real mm-hmm. and so there's none of this super fit and so because once you have that vulnerability and like that's what I realized at that meeting, like before I broke up with my ex, was this vulnerability that this person, this stranger that I barely know, I feel like I know this person. There's mm-hmm. there's an intimacy there, an actual intimacy. And 
I realize I feel more connected to this relative stranger at this CODA meeting than I do to the person that I've been dating for two and a half years. How is that possible? How has, I mean, it's a, it's a compliment to the person at the meeting that they're like sharing and being open and vulnerable and like admitting all this like embarrassing stuff. But it's also somewhat of an indictment against my the, the, the person I'm having, trying to have a relationship with because two and a half years, you couldn't bring yourself to just open up a little bit, you know? Like this person open up more in, you know, five minutes than in two and a half years. Like that's, I don't want to say it's, it's right or wrong, but I can't do that. Yeah, I can't. I can't feel connected and intimate with somebody if they can't be open and vulnerable. But that's a big thing, right? Especially if you're codependent, is to be able to make that recognition and go, this "Shit, all this time I've been trying to save the person right. or whatever, and now I can recognize the fact that I can't do that. Right? If you can't open up. I, I and the vulnerability, remember. the vulnerability and the sca- the scary stuff. That's what actually leads to intimacy, right? Not not the you know, look at my trophies and let me brag about this and brag about that. Like if I'm trying to, if I'm trying to look good, like I might impress you, but there's no intimacy. If I, if you see me fail and, and fall and all that, and it's the same thing with stand up and with comedy in general, like the clown must fail, mm-hmm. right? Like the clown, the Buster Keaton or the whatever doesn't like win right? Things don't just go smoothly. It's when we like talk about like our flaws, our faults, all the screw ups and, you know, a screwed up way that we see the world and all that kind of, that's where the comedy comes from. Yeah. Your character is, is how you overcome adversity as opposed to, you know, it's not, it's not, Hey, you are how all the, the, the the green lights that you've had and just walked your way through doors. it's, It's having to climb over walls and how you face the Right. The the negative, how you grew from it. Right. And that's why I think like uh, when a comic goes up real cocky, you know, or like, you know, like you see, like if if a comic like looks good, right? Like, oh, this, this, this comedian is really attractive and looks like they have their shit together. It's, it's hard for an audience to kind of like wrap their head around that, you know, like they're, they're more hesitant and reluctant. Like, you know, really? Like we're supposed to expect that like, you know, your life is this train wreck, like you know, you're better looking than, 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 than us. You're, you know, taller, more successful. Like, look at that. You know, you're wearing clothes that I can't afford. You're like, confident enough to get up on stage right. and talk to screw strangers. Right. Like, exactly. It's yeah. like, you know, like, like just in this first 30 seconds, you're uh, uh, above us. Yeah. I have no so, connection with you whatsoever. Right. So that's why like, when, you know, if a comic like quote unquote, like looks good, you know, or is like, success looks successful or attractive it's like i don't know i feel like in some ways it's harder for an audience to kind of identify and bond you know like i don't know unless you're up there going this is all i got looking good's all i got right let me tell you let me tell you how big how how right. deep my issues run right or like yeah like, like here's here's how fucked up i am you know or whatever yeah. you know but uh but but that vulnerability and that that failing that's where a lot of the that's where the stuff comes from you know yeah you know, like it's like you said, too, if someone goes up there and they're all arrogant and cocky, right? Immediately, that's that's kind of an off-putting yeah. body language, you know, persona. So you're immediately going to distance yourself from people. But you go up there and start talking about how you 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 failed at this, you fucked up at that, right? You know, what's wrong with you? that's something that we can all relate to, and it, it, well, it like, like you said, humanizes you to to like a to like a perfect analogy is like the old like Lucille Ball 
where her and her friend are like in the chocolate factory and like they're try- and yeah, trying to like, them off the conveyor everything's, belt. Everything's going wrong, right? It's like that right there. It's like if everything went smoothly, there would be no comedy. The humor is in the conflict, the conflict and the failing, you mm-hmm. know, and like, uh, like the too many chocolates or whatever, you know, how did they deal with it? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, somebody comes up, whether it's uh, Kramer or what do you call it? Sam one cheer or whoever, like you have the character who comes up with some cockamamie scheme, right? Where they're going to, you know, Cartman's going to do this, that, and the other thing or whatever. And it's like that human failure right that defect that causes the things to happen that are that like lead to the funny you know not like if everybody made good decisions no, no comedy is going to come from that right oh well i was hungry so i went and i bought a sandwich and i paid for it just like you do and that's <laughs> yeah. that like i mean that's you know well, i was through it was 5.95 i had exact change in my pocket right uh there was no uh there was no issues all day long yeah it's thank it's, you very much that's been my time you right. guys have a great night it's I only everything goes smoothly for you too right it's only when the character decides he's going to try to pay with a, <coughs> a coupon that he like designed himself on photoshop and then like winds up like getting arrested or you know like that's <laughs> where the comedy comes in right you know well, I, uh, I, dude, I really appreciate you. Uh, the the vulnerability stuff is even. I can guarantee you, for everything we've talked about, that's for at least for myself, that's been the most fascinating because it's it, it's cool to sort of open, open up a vein every now and again and yeah. just let some stuff out. That's where the um, stuff is. But I want to, you know, obviously remind everyone who's listening that that you are a, an outstanding comic. You're one of our favorites here at Absolute oh, Comedy. You. You're definitely family. I want to give you an opportunity. You've got uh, you've got a comedy album out. Do you have two now? Um, I have one. I have a second one that I'm actually working on the uh, the artwork for. Okay, so I knew so, you had. I thought there was yeah. a second. Wasn't and, I've, wasn't and I've actually got like a bunch of recordings that I still need to go through okay. uh, stuff that I'm just like oh, like material that I'm like I've retired. I've already retired it, but I'm like I don't I don't like I've retired this stuff, but I don't have like an al- I don't have it on an album. Right. Well, what's the name of your album that you have out already? Uh, no frills. Okay, and that's on. You can get it on like iTunes, CD Baby. Um, uh, my website, which is currently down, mm-hmm. but you know, CD Baby is probably the best place to get it. CD Baby, Mike, yeah, it's Mike Stork, no frills. Awesome. And uh, anything uh, you got coming up that you want to plug? I do have um, listeners in Maryland. It might be very well uh, be you. <laughs> hey, YouTube. I'm putting. My, I'm doing most of my stuff on YouTube. You know, just putting videos up and stuff. Just so yeah. So, anyways, I just wanted to thank you for being here, Mikey. I really appreciate it, pal. Um, and thank yeah, you. look forward to, uh, to seeing you next time you're in town, buddy. Awesome. Thank you.